it's like a malfunction in the human firmware that we all have this thing where I would do the same the thing. The human firmware. I like that. Yes, exactly. I would do the same thing, though. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Oh, yeah, made it to Friday, 8-10 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eric Bilstead's Friday was yesterday. He gone. Lucky for him. Mike Spaulding's going to sit in with us until 9 o'clock this morning. As always, Greg Pancake Hill is producing the program. Want to start with this, Mike. We consistently find leadership in Milwaukee that is more willing to answer to the vocal minority instead of, you know, being brave enough to tell the people who actually come down to some of these meetings that hold their signs, that stage their rallies and chant their chants that I hear you. You've had a voice here, but this is not in the best interest of the countless thousands of others who don't attend public hearings and meetings. And you're, of course, alluding to the Milwaukee Fire Police Commission last night. The decision that the FPC made last night, I don't think it makes us safer. And it causes me to wonder, who does the FPC work for? Do they work for the activists and a few people who raise hell? Do they work for the folks who wrote defund the police on Water Street? Or do they work for the vast majority of others, the 600,000 some people in the city of Milwaukee who live here and the many thousands more who come and work in Milwaukee and visit Milwaukee? The FPC in its decision could have listened to all voices and at the very least, I'll grant them some room here, could have reached a compromise. But they weren't even willing to do that. It sought only to placate the demands of the few people in the room. And I think probably people's thoughts on what the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission did last night will probably break along this familiar divider. Do you generally trust law enforcement, that cops are good actors, that police are not without exception, but mostly doing good work in the community? Or do you have an inherent distrust in the police? If you're the latter... You're the ones applauding the FNP this morning. Today we made history for our children and children of generation. Folks in attendance at last night's meeting claiming victory in their efforts to change MPD policy when it comes to releasing video, including police body camera video, to families of individuals who are involved and to the public in general. So I want to backfill here, give you the information you need to be able to react to this. TMJ4 Simone Woolridge walking us through the policy changes. MPD will have to release video to the public from critical incidents within just 48 hours of a critical incident for family. 15 days to the general public. Here's how it will work. MPD will be required to release video footage to the public within 15 days of an officer-involved death or other critical incidents. Those video sources include body camera footage, dash cam, 911 recordings, and more. They will also be required to notify and allow families of those involved to view the footage within 48 hours of releasing the video to the community. Supporters say they are hoping this new policy will create more transparency between the community and the police department. So here's where there at least was room for compromise. MPD had asked for at least. Now they wanted longer durations. They typically go 45 days. Sometimes they don't even follow their own guidelines. It was goal-oriented is what they called it. We try to get this video out to you within 45 days. And in fairness, that's a long time. They can do it earlier if they want, but they usually don't. Uh, But what they were asking for is, okay, if at least you're going to stick on this timeline, can we have a roadmap? Can we have a set of procedures where we could, in certain circumstances, if we make a case for it, further delay some of the video and information that would be released if necessary? 
Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission, uh, Commissioner Bree Spencer saying the commission did remove that section that would have allowed the chief to extend that 15-day deadline. The biggest thing I heard and took away tonight, and I was putting it underlined every time I heard it, was no extension. And as we've talked about, the utility and function of this policy is to help address a trust, transparency, and accountability gap. Right, but heard from who? From the small number of people who were in the room. And that that is not to diminish their voice because they have one and a credit to them. They've done the work. This was important to them. They came down. They testified before the committee. They made their opinions known. But for the vast majority, the hundreds of thousands of others who live in the city who are just going about their business, they're not going to come down and testify before the Fire and Police Commission. So, and that draws up the question, too, then, of if this doesn't impact you directly, do is it going to make a difference right, right, in right. your life? Which I think by the lack of other participation in this meeting, there were a lot of people that spoke last night. It was over an hour of, of public speakers. Um, my, my, my guess would be no. If you're not willing to show up and and either debate it or say your piece, then you might not think it's going to impact your life very much. And it's hard to say to a young family or whatever, the kids have soccer practice, this is going on, the whatever, I'm going to march on down to the Fire and Police Commission and give this testimony of something that I barely even paid attention to. But one of the jobs of these commissioners is not only to listen to the people in the room, but also to do your own research, also to make an independent decision. So no compromise, no working with MPD, no listening to your law enforcement professionals, no considering any possible negative impacts this could have. Just do whatever the activists and protesters asked for and leave no room for compromise. Here's the Milwaukee Police Association President Andrew Wagner. A 48-hour window to show show families doesn't respect the rights of the officers. Um, the officers under Marcy's law also have to be considered into this. So how it works in some other cities, Milwaukee right now, the latest large city to put some official rules on the books. In D.C., they require five days to release the video. Cleveland's at seven. New York City, 30 days. Chicago, 60 days. So we're out in front on this, 48 hours for the family to view and to be able to react to. And as was indicated in one of the other stories this morning, Mike, to be able to go ahead and hold a news conference and say, this is what we saw, how we interpreted that video even well before the public is able to say, well, I'd like to see the video for myself and draw my own judgments. And I would hope that it would be used sparingly, but I definitely foresee situations where police could not release video to the public in 15 days in that two weeks with proper context. And you heard police chief Norman basically making that point of our investigations might not be done, might not even be close to done in that period. And when he does one of these releases of the video, the critical incident release, mm-hmm. you can see there's there are multiple police officials who are involved in this. They're explaining what's happening here. They almost go through a PowerPoint. Here's what we see here. Here's why we did this. Here's this moment. They break it all down and explain it and ask them to do that within two weeks and put that video in the proper context. Granted, their spin, they're the ones presenting it, but to have them an opportunity to at least explain what you're looking at other than just, Bleh, here you go, media. Put it all on TV. I think it's reckless. And to allow them no avenue to, at least in certain circumstances, compromise and say, this is one where we need to keep it here. Here's why. And I would have allowed for even this. If the F- uh, FPC wanted to say, okay, but you need to come before us and make that case. If you say you don't want to do the 48 hours for the family, you say you don't want to do the 15 days for the public, you need to come before the FPC. We need to have a special hearing and you need to make your case. 
Okay, fine. At least that's something. You hire and fire the police chief. You ought to trust him. If that's not the right guy and you can't even trust his judgment, what's he doing in there? No, that's a really good point. And and two, to what I think is sort of setting a... I, I could see it turning into a dangerous precedent a little bit is doing exactly what you mentioned, which is wholeheartedly just kind of sending everyone a .mov file and having you post it or do whatever you're going to do with it. Because how many times have we seen in other aspects of our lives where there's a tweet about, you won't believe this thing happened to this person. And then you watch it and you go, okay, whatever that lawmaker said, maybe wasn't as bad as the way that it was framed in some sort of news source, whether you're right or left or whatever. You watch it for yourself and you go, okay, there's a little bit of gray area there. It's not as explosive as what I was made to believe. I think that is going to be one instance or, or, or a, a corollary, I guess, to, to what could happen here just a little bit where you're getting something with no context whatsoever. You might not be getting the full scope of what's going on, and you might not even be seeing the full video if it's just released willy-nilly. So, yeah, I, I do see there being a danger there. and I do think it was you know, one of the good parts of this this uh, program or this this new rule is that the family gets to see it. I think that is a smart move. It's fair. It's in private. You deserve to know what happened to your family member, whether they were in the right or whether they were in the wrong, whatever it was. But yeah, I think releasing it just willy-nilly could could set a dangerous precedent. And let me make this final point before we go to a break. And folks are already uh, texting. The Old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old, 855-616-1620 if you want to participate in the conversation. I will make this point. As someone who's covered Milwaukee police now for more than 20 years, I mean, I covered Arthur Jones Police Department where nothing got released. No information was released. Even for things that were fairly benign, you'd call and ask for a police report. And I remember talking to the PEO, PIO, public information officer, at the time you'd call down there and she'd say, it's under investigation, Vince. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, it means it's under investigation and I can't give you any information. You can't tell me anything about this because it's quote unquote under investigation. That was garbage. And things were concealed from us, even sometimes for no reason. And by us, I mean, yes, the media, but our conduit to you to share that with the public. So it was arbitrary. It was so bad, in fact. You remember this? I don't know if you were here yet, but Milwaukee Common Council actually under Arthur Jones defunded the position of public information officer. They essentially de facto fired her because she never released any information to the public. And they got so frustrated, she wouldn't even talk to them. Members of the Common Council, the policymakers, wouldn't even tell them stuff about what was going on in the police department that they were supposed to manage. Wouldn't tell them, so they finally said, all right, if you're not releasing any information to the public, why am I paying you $60,000 a year to be the public information officer? They defunded the position. So I stand on the side of overall transparency, but I thought the F... Uh, FPC could at least have given our law enforcement professionals some avenue to participate in the process of this relief. I thought they made the wrong decision yesterday. 821 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Twenty-four on Wisconsin's Morning News this Friday morning, talking about the decision by the Fire and Police Commission to now codify in standard procedure the fact that police have to release to families who are involved in a critical incident video and other information from that incident within 48 hours and video and other information from the incident to the general public within 15 days. I'm bent out of shape over the fact that they didn't allow at the request of our law enforcement officers and officials at least an avenue to make an appeal to, in certain circumstances, 
be able to avoid those parameters. And I think there are legitimate reasons why from time to time police are going to be want, want to be more cautious about when they release that video and information. I think they should have compromised and at least allowed, even if you had to come before, the chief had to come before the Fire and Police Commission and make his case, fine, but they were unwilling to do that. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talking text line. A couple of interesting texts. Uh, this one, can the MPD or Police Association appeal the decision? I don't know. I mean, I will say this. The police chief works for the FPC and has to submit to whatever rules that that body decides. That's what we have. And so I do appreciate the, that the chief is on record saying, didn't want it this way, but this is what the bosses say. I submit to this process, and so this is what we're going to do. We'll work within those parameters. I don't know what the appeal could be. I wonder if MPD could go to court in a particular situation and say, we're suing to suppress this for now. Well, then you kind of get into the world of public opinion, and I don't know if that's necessarily where you want to be You know, suing in court. Right. Potentially, I don't, would it be the, the, the family of the people that are requesting it? Would it be the Fire Police Commission, I guess, maybe you'd be suing because— they're the ones levying what these stipulations are, but I, I that's a, a messy avenue. I'm pretty sure that MPD would probably like to avoid. What about other people who are in the video? Maybe you were just an innocent bystander. Maybe you're not the person who got shot. Maybe whatever. Maybe you, you don't want that video released to the public in 15 days or whatever. There are a lot of people that are in the video outside of just cops and the alleged uh, suspect. Wonder what's next? Live streaming body cameras? That's one text that just came in. And another interesting thought here. Let me see if I can find this one. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, Peter from River West. My concern is everybody wants to jump on the police when there's a shooting or a death in their custody, which is understandable. But where's the outrage when everything else, when people are shooting their own people or killing each other, and there's no outrage on this from the same ones that complain about the police? It's ridiculous. And he adds some other stuff there as well. Uh, let me go to the phones here. Bill is with us on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Morning, Bill. Good morning. And what's Thanks your particular call? Yeah, uh, what's your thought on this, Bill? Well, I think it's a bad idea, and uh, I think that all of the uh, kind of public opinion against the police force um, in the last few years, I think it's going to have an unintended side effect of you know, young people who are thinking about their careers, especially ones that have a lot of options, are going to choose to become a plumber or an electrician rather than a police officer because we're making a really hard job, probably one of the hardest jobs there is, even harder. And uh, so I think it's just going to have a self-defeating um, consequence of pushing police officers and potential police officers into other careers, and it's going to lower the quality of our police forces. Uh, Bill, I agree with you. Thanks for the call. And uh, backing up that point here, another text on the old National Bank talking text line. How are they going to fund this policy change? They're already understaffed, continually taking resources from the actual work of officers does not make us safer. Because there is, like I mentioned, a lot of prep work that they need to do when they roll this out. They don't just cough up the video and say, have at it. They want to provide context. And that takes time as well as part of the investigation is put on hold so others can work on meeting this timeline. And I'm okay with having guidelines. You have to have guidelines. I like things codified so it's not willy-nilly. So that's fine. You want to write down the guidelines. And even if you want to aggressively put them as they have with those timing benchmarks to offer no opportunity 
for the police chief whom you hire and oversee to at least come to you in good faith and offer an explanation as to why that timeline may not fit an individual situation from time to time, I think is reckless and irresponsible. 8.30 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight thirty-three on Wisconsin's Morning News. I do want to get quickly to the news here with Mike, but uh, I do want to answer a question that came through on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line eight five five six one six one six twenty. Someone asked, like, where does the Fire and Police Commission come from, and to whom did they report? This is now. I know there was talk about expanding it to eight members. Did they? Do, I don't remember if they did that, Mike. No, no Could expansion. They okay, just so there's seven roles. Yes. Okay, so you have seven civilian commissioners. Mm-hmm. And then a full-time executive director. Each and every position is appointed by the mayor, and those appointments need to be approved by the Common Council. So technically, they report to the mayor, but once appointed, they kind of operate pretty autonomously, right, yes. pretty much, unless there's some real chicanery going on, which I think <laughs> we yeah, like that chicanery, one, which we saw, which you know, we a saw few, a few years yes. ago. It, the Fire and Police Commission now is a very stable body compared to what 2018, 2019, when we were going through executive directors, yes. left and right. And I, you don't want the mayor down there, whoever that is, meddling around in the business of the Fire and Police Commission on a regular basis. But all things are political, and that's the politics of this body. Should I apologize to Matzik again since we just had him on? Yeah. So, I do feel bad about this. I mean, like, he's over it, I'm over it, it's no big deal, but I I felt bad about the fact that this happened, and I felt bad about the fact that it's happened in other relationships I have. I think it's highly relatable, because a lot of us do it, we shouldn't. But Matzik and I are talking in the newsroom the other day, and we work different shifts, you know, so usually we cross by each other or whatever, but we've been friends for a long time, and I love Greg, and he was coming around Saw me working on some stuff in the newsroom, and he had a moment, so he came over, and we were talking. We were fully engaged in a back-and-forth conversation, and he was even complimenting me on something. Being, he was being very kind, Mike. Was he, or did you half hear? No, he was, he was actually being nice. So we're talking, and as we're talking, inexplicably, I just picked up my phone and started doing something else. I'm scrolling on Twitter right now, I'll be honest. (laughs) I was either texting someone or I went to grab something. And I was busy, in fairness, but in that moment, what I wanted to do was have a conversation with my friend. I was doing that, but the phone was there, and I just grabbed the phone started doing something else. And Greg, being Greg, goes, well, I guess we're done here. (laughs) And he walked off on me. And then I'm like, dude, I'm like, come back here. I am so sorry. And like... No big deal, right? But like, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I stopped having this personal interaction, grabbed this, and decided, nah, I'm going to multitask now. Did your phone ding? No, nah, no reason. I just poof, checked out of the conversation. It's a, it's, a, it's a disease that we all have. It's like a malfunction in the human firmware that we all have this thing where I would do the same the thing. The human firmware. I like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I would do the same thing, though. And it's sad. I'm not saying I'm not endorsing the move. But I would do the exact same thing. If out of the corner of my eye, I saw my phone light up and we're talking, I'm going to look at it and not think anything of it. And it's it's bad. It's not it's it's shameful. Like I, I feel bad when especially when someone right? calls you out for it, it feels like you're a child 
Oh, are you listening to me? Oh, yeah, no, I am. I got it. And we battle with our kids like that all the time. And this is like the height of hypocrisy because, would you put your phone down? Would you put your phone down? Would you put your phone down? And there I am in a conversation with my friend, not even having my phone, and then just grabbing it in the middle because it it was there. We've... We've gone from using the phone, I think, to be uncomfortable, like to fill an uncomfortable silence. I I don't think we're very, we're very good at being quiet now because you're distracted by something else. But I always feel like if there's a lull in the conversation, if I'm talking to a younger relative or whatever it is, if there's a lull, their phone is out before I can take two breaths. It's just a thing. And like I work to avoid it, but then realize, yeah, I do the same exact thing. And I, I bet most people do. If you pay attention to yourself today, see how many times you subconsciously, I think, take your phone out. Or look at your Apple Watch or whatever it is without even without even noticing. I think it'll be a shocking amount. The other thing that caused me to believe I'm probably just losing my mind though is I make lists. I'm a list maker. You see my lists. I get my mm-hmm. little. I have a small. A lot of notepads always going oh, yeah. at, at one time, but my small one is for my today list. And I do that in part just so I can keep track of you know. So when I have a thought like ooh, I'll write that down. I put it on my list so I can go back and and remember that it existed. I also am a very task oriented person, and people who have our brains set up in that way, you like the you like to see your work. Yeah. So if you don't have a job where like you're a carpenter and you can see the work that you've done, or a mason where okay, I've made this progress on the wall, or even you're washing dishes. And I have my dirty pile of dishes, and now my pile of dishes is clean. Where you can't watch your progress in an office job, list is a great way to do that. It absolutely it is. I'm a list person too. I have like a list for lists too. Like I'm that <laughs> I'm that person. Which or I'll write the same thing down I have a on list nine of lists of nine on nine pieces of paper. It's the same exact thing. It says email Vince. You know, and okay. I'm like, wait, did I do this right? Did I not do this already? You know what you need? I think you need like one of those recorders. Like the like the the, the oh, they CEOs have like in the doctor shows and stuff. Yeah, or, note to self. Or a lawyer show. Yeah, seven eight forty four a.m. April twenty first. Thought client needs X Y Z to happen. Yeah, great yeah, show like, idea. Yeah, just say the word so idea. then you don't got to worry about the writing down. Talk about lists. Because what you write Friday's show. What'd you write? So, so I wrote the reason I brought it up is the, I wrote something the other day that inexplicably I couldn't minutes later even remember what I was talking about. So the list is only as good as the list is. And mine had on it, what did I write? Like one more time, the number one more time. And I wrote that on my list of things to do, which included like check Gmail. Cause that's my other personal account that, you know, I want to make sure I was checking that, uh, e- email, Mike, cut this audio, blah, blah, blah. I had wrote down one more time. I you should maybe just use it as motivation, self self motivation. Just one keep, one more time. Keep putting it on the list because I know <laughs> yeah, what it, whatever that was, it didn't get finished yesterday because I didn't know minutes later what I meant. Yeah, what was the old Adidas commercial? Get knocked down seven times, get up eight, or something like that. There well, you go. That's I'm a your, Nike guy, Mike, so I don't remember that commercial. But <laughs> that's your one day. That's your one more time yes. for you. It's one All more right. time. Whatever it is, one more time. But doesn't appear to have been mission critical for the show today. I think we've had a good program so well, far. Well, yeah, we made it through about four hours. So 15 minutes okay. left. <laughs> right, still time to screw it up, Pancake. 8.46 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Blue check marks, no big deal, probably to a lot of people. I mean, for the large, in large part, for many folks, it was just a, a, a vanity mole. If 
you will, right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's your, it's your little beauty mark on your social media, yeah. As promised, shortly after Elon Musk blew up his rocket, he also blew up everybody's blue check marks on Twitter. Some folks didn't think he was going to do it. We'd heard this for a while. Oh, the blue check marks are going away. The blue check marks are going away. You got to pay. You got to pay. You got to pay. And then it like never happened. You just wondered if he was just jerking everybody around. But it turns out that Elon Musk, as promised on his recently purchased Twitter platform, eliminated the blue check marks. So for those who aren't on Twitter or even much social media, there was a, a process that Twitter, Instagram does it, Facebook does it. I believe tick, you can be verified on TikTok as well. I've heard that's very hard to get verified. Exclusive there. Exclusive. Yeah. Right. You can't just ask for it and say, this is Vince Vetrano. He is who he is. He and they works do top, for this top, news organization. Top, top level creators, right? Yeah. They do it based off of how often do you interact or how exactly. many followers you've reused or whatever you get. Yeah. So for the standards for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook are a little bit different. But uh, I was verified on Twitter, still am on Instagram and Facebook. And I don't know that it did anything for me other than for people to know that if there was something associated with my account, that it was, oh, yeah, that's that guy that actually does work at WTMJ. I did have once, when I was at TMJ4, some kids at Tosa East, because that's where I went to school, thought it'd be funny to do a, they actually did do a Vince Vitrano parody account. Does it exist still? Can it we, doesn't. Oh. No, because we... You, you blew them up? I blew them up yeah. pretty quick. And I didn't blow them up publicly, like, I because... My alma mater, you know, I was a goofy kid at Wauwatosa East once. So I reached out to him right away and I'm like, hey, don't know what this because they were putting out some crazy stuff, which wasn't necessarily insulting to me. But obviously, as a newscaster, like I didn't want what they were saying to be associated with yeah. my legitimate voice on the news. So I reached out. Um, I don't want to say I was impolite, but I was, hey, listen, our lawyer is aware of this. You can't do this. And I didn't need my personal lawyer. I mean the TMJ lawyer because they were concerned too. Like, the guy you, you can't got on retainer, you didn't tell him? <laughs> right, no. <laughs> and then they, uh, I assume a kid, took it down right away, even sent me a, hey, really sorry, we didn't mean to, whatever. And I sure. figured as much, which is why I didn't make a big deal out of it. But you can't have that. The blue check mark did provide that sort of verification. I think, you know, it's it's not so much like I'm bent out of shape because now I'm, I don't have a blue check mark. Nobody does with exception of a few, I do think for the user, if there are Twitter users out there who want to know, am I getting this from a legitimate source that at least is who he or she says he is, then I think that's that's a disservice to the user. I think the question has to be at Twitter or at a company thinking about doing this is, do you want to be Reddit? Right? There, there yeah, are right. verified users on Reddit. They get a lot of interaction. A lot of people use it every single day. But the value necessarily isn't there for verified information. So you get the interaction, but no one cares on that platform if you're verified or not. Do you want Twitter to become that? Because like you said, Twitter has, in all intents and purposes, become a vital resource for uh, people in our line of work to, to find yeah. stuff out, to know. I mean, if it's international politics you're interested in, to know that some of these people, reporters that you follow are actually the real person because you can't just verify something that you're seeing on the news in Sudan or something like that. And with so much fake news, and with that being a real problem, that extra step that they were willing to go for $0 allowed people, consumers, to look through Twitter and say, okay, I know, I, I at least trust the the existence of this as an actual source. You may not trust the person 
posting the content. You may disagree with the content, but you know that Mike Spaulding is Mike Spaulding. He's that guy that works at WTMJ, and that's where it's coming from. I, I like a lot of the things that Elon Musk has done with Twitter. I don't think this serves the larger Twitter audience, and I wish he hadn't done it. I think it's a misstep. It's a misjudging of what your audience is and what the value is of your company. The value, you know, the the users bring the value to Twitter. I don't think it's the other way around. We will find a way. Greg had a piece this morning about the different social media outlets that we've used since in the past, what, 15 years. It hasn't been a long time. We've all migrated to, to four, five, six different ones. So I think the miscalculation is the fact that Twitter is the valuable resource when it's the users, the valuable resource. Good news is I'm still verified on Instagram, which is where my kids hang out. And that's where they see, that's where that has value to me. You could also just say some reckless stuff on your Twitter and be like, oh, that's that, that wasn't me. I don't know who that is. Again. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I told you this story before, but my teenage daughter, my oldest, we were talking about whether or not mom and dad were cool because every kid's, no matter how cool your parents are, every kid's embarrassed by their parents at some point or another. And I was making the point, I'm like, you know, like we're not the coolest parents. We're not the, well, as long as they're drinking at my house and I know where they are. That's parents, good to know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we're not those parents, but you know, we're not clowns either. We don't tr- generally try to embarrass our kids. And I said, oh, you know, your mom and I, we do okay. And the oldest did rel- uh, relent, if you will, and just said, no, yeah, yeah, you guys are okay. She said, actually, my friends all think you're cool. And I said, oh, because I'm on TV? She goes, no, because you're verified on Instagram. Boom. Not because of the lawn. And she wasn't kidding. No. And <laughs> no, not because of the lawn. <laughs> 856 on Wisconsin's Morning News. 8.58 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Dee Scafidi is going to take the wheel from here. We tried something. Yeah, we tried something on the live stream today that I think you'll find interesting. So I had this piece of video that we wanted to share with people. I got a buddy, uh, friends friends of our family, their son, uh, Andrew Muir, is studying meteorology at Oklahoma University, which if you're into that, that's where you want to be. <laughs> tornado Alley, right? And he's... Uh, you got me. There we I go. got you now. That was a Greg thing. Yeah, he's down there at Oklahoma. So wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Was I not? You, you did not have your mic. <laughs> you were potted up. I can't. I just blame you. Typically, I All would right. just be like, ah, you it's fine. It. Let him have it. All right, no. exactly. All right, right, enough, Greg. Okay, continue your story, Vince. He, anyway, he storm chases now as uh, as a, as an Oklahoma Sooner. And he sent us some awesome videos. So for folks who join us on the live stream, and you can access it at wtmj.com on our wtmj YouTube page or any of our social apps as well. So Greg was able to put the video of the tornado that he sent me up while we were talking. Interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's called television, but... (laughs) (laughs) Not for us, though. But for us, right. So the producers are handling that, because they trust us with that. Hey, listen, I got three buttons that I normally push here. That's plenty. For for a host, you're doing more than most. (laughs) Right. Usually you got one. I just, I just, I do the microphone, and sometimes I don't even do that, as we just learned. All right, it's nine o'clock. I'll get out of your way. Steve Scafidi is next on WTMJ.